Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Mike and Laura Kondratuk from Brookings in the studio with me. They're going to come in to talk about their book called By God's Grace. It uh, talks about um, uh, their life as Catholics. Uh, Mike had a very deep conversion early on, and then some tragedies that hit their family and how they handled those. It's a really, really great book. They're really a beautiful couple and a great family. Um, and one thing I have to mention, because we forgot to mention it in the interview, is that their book is available at Mustard Seed in Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can get it there. But stick around for the interview so you can uh, hear all about it and then decide if you want to go get the book. That's right. Yeah. Well, of course so, you'll want to go get the book. Of course, because yes, they're yes, fabulous. Yes. So we have Dr. Chris Bergwald here to give us some biblical bites for doc- with Dr. B for Dr. Yes. B. On the second Sunday of Lent, I'm going to just say it before you do anything to Folks, make gotta, me look stupid. You got to like watch last, last week. week's episode of Hemp Bites to understand what's going on. I really, there. really did a, yeah, I wasn't very good. It was fun. Uh, so second, yes, second, as you said, second Sunday in Lent. Now, um, when we recorded last week's, I mentioned how the gospel for the first Sunday of Lent is always about the... For the first Sunday, oh, always about the uh, temptation. Of the yes, desert. yes, I was because you got that right. You know when we recorded that like ten minutes ago. Right. So I was a little like Renee. You just told me um, the gospel for the second Sunday of Lent is also always about something. This one, do you have any idea? And Bill won't is no good because he has not prepped. Right, uh, correct. Done that yet? Yeah, I have yeah. not. Um, let's see. What would it be? It's a little surprising, to be honest. Is it? It's not the baptism. They don't go back. No, no, no. That's back in January. Oh, that's true. Um, I don't know. The transfiguration. Oh, yeah, that is kind of, well, so it's, is it weird? I don't know. Well, we're in Lent, which is, you know, whatever. and and, and we're, the church gives us this second Sunday of Lent, a reminder uh, if, if that. Because we if, do the transfiguration some other time too, don't we? Or no? Or is this the only time August, it happens in the August? Okay. August. That's what I was six, thinking. Seven? So we kind of get it. Twice. We do, but the fact that we get it, I think, in Lent is a little bit quizzical because it's a glorious event, right? And and where Lent is not, most people don't think of Lent as a glorious season in the Trizier, but right. but we're not going to talk about the Transfiguration. Oh, so I want to talk about the first I had a theory. Reading. Okay, I know, go I ahead. Know. Well, you can save it till August, um, <laughs> but it has to do with Lent, so uh, that's not well, going to work. Save it till next year. Okay. <laughs> uh, Genesis fifteen. This is one of my favorite readings. Lord God takes Abram outside. You're going to get the really fast. So if you watch in double speed, you're going to want to slow it down. Right, be right. Lord God took Abram outside, said, look up in the sky, cut the stars. If you can, just so shall your descendants be. He then said to him, so Abram, how will I know? He said, God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you from the earth of Chaldeans to give this land as a possession. O Lord God, he asked, how am I to know I shall possess it? He answered him, bring me a three-year-old heifer a three-year-old she-goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Abram brought him all these, split them in two, placed each half opposite the other, but the birds he did not cut up. Birds of prey swooped down on the carcasses, but Abram stayed with them as the sun was about to set. Trance fell upon Abram, and a deep, terrifying darkness enveloped him. When the sun had set and it was dark, there appeared a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. It was on that occasion that Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying something we don't have time to talk about. What? Just happened besides me reading really quickly. Uh, that is one of the most bizarre. What the heck is good? Yes. So God, bring me some animals. <laughs> cut them in half. Walk between them. I'll put you into a trance. And then you're going to see a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. It all sounds terrifying, to be honest. So this is the establishment. So we're, 
It was on that occasion that the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Mm-hmm. So in the ancient world, uh, when you made a covenant, we've talked about covenant before. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you made, when people's made covenant, one way they would, they, one, they, there would be rituals. You know, today we get fancy pens or whatever for special covenants, <laughs> but there'd be rituals and sometimes elaborate rituals. And one ritual was you would get these different animals, you cut them in half, and both parties of the covenant would pass between the animals. Symbolically saying, you, we've never talked about them. No. Symbolically saying, if I violate the terms of the covenant, may what happens to these animals happen to me. May I be split asunder. Oh my goodness. Um, so some serious business here. So serious. So a covenant is being established, but who, in my very quick reading of the account, Renee, who passed between the, in the midst of the animals? Well, Abram did. Abram but then, did not. Oh, he didn't? No. All mm-hmm. that happened was he falls into a trance and a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch do, which are, it, it, it's God so appearing. God, right. So God is the only one who passes through. So first of all, God is establishing a covenant using the same a similar ritual that people, Abram's people would have used. Mm-hmm. God does that as well. So he's establishing a covenant with a man and his descendants. Um, but he's the only one who binds himself definitively to the terms of the covenant because he knows that Abram is not going to be up to it. Yeah. But still you get this, this really violent ritual that establishes a covenant between God and Abram. I'm really glad you explained that because when I hear that in mass, I'm going to be very confused. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) In the studio with me today, I have a wonderful couple, Mike and Laura Hondratuk. I think I said it right. You did. Um, they are here from, uh, they're from Brookings, um, and they came down today to the Sioux Falls to be in the studio with me on Ash Wednesday. They've already been to Mass. I'm so impressed with you guys. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to go to Mass till tonight, but that's okay. Everybody has their time, right? That's right. <laughs> so they came down today to tell us about um, a book that they wrote. When did you guys write this? It yeah. was actually a long process. We probably started it in about 2000 and. 15. Okay. But um, it was just published this past year. Okay, good. So this is, I don't know if Bill can get this. Okay, good. So this is uh, By God's Grace. And it's a story about uh, some of their their experiences with God, really, and their family. So um, it's a great book. I've read most of it. I have a few chapters left, and I've really enjoyed it so far. So we're going to talk about it a little bit, um, what God's been doing in their lives. Uh, I'm sure some of this some of this will be in the book. Some of it might not be, and that's totally fine. So, <laughs> All right, so Laura, let's start with you, if you don't mind. Um, you tell us just a little bit about the two of you, your family, where you grew up, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, I grew up in the Milwaukee area and um, met Mike when I was going to college, and um, we married and we ended up living up in Northwestern Wisconsin for 17 okay. and a half years Wow! before we moved here. Um, Mike loves fishing. So that was sure. a perfect place. That's for a great us. place for fishing. <laughs> it was. We, we lived on a small lake in Northern Wisconsin. Oh, wow. It's so beautiful up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very good. They call it God's country. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They call South Dakota God's country too. <laughs> well, and it is. Every place has its beauty. That's right. Yeah. Um, we've got three children. Mm-hmm. So our eldest is Nathan. Okay. Um, he is married, has three children. Oh, wow. And then okay. our, our second is our daughter, Catherine, mm-hmm. who is in her last year of residency oh, wow. as a dermatologist. And where is that at? She's in central Pennsylvania. Okay. And then our youngest son, Eric, uh, passed away 
just as he turned 14. Right. And he, and the, part of this book is about that experience too. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, okay. Uh, so Laura, can you just tell us a little bit to start with about what is the book about in sure. general? You bet. Um, the book is about how God worked in our lives to help Mike have conversion to come closer to the Lord. Because Mike and, was Catholic, mm-hmm. but then it's just a deeper, different conversion, right? Yeah, I was born Catholic, mm-hmm. raised Catholic, uh, but uh, I was not a good practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I was a child, I used to get sick all the time at Mass, and mm-hmm. uh, I would get, uh, like, have to throw up. Oh, my and, goodness. Um, then when I left Mass, I was fine. And uh, <laughs> That didn't leave a good impression on you, did no, it? <laughs> it? No, it didn't. Uh, but when I met Laura, Laura was very faithful, practicing Catholic. I was not. Mm-hmm. And to impress her, I started going to church with her. <laughs> uh, so um, That's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I just so, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so the book starts out talking about uh, what happened to me. So at the time, um, you know, I, I started going to church, but quite honestly, I used to tell Laura, We our kids were young, and I would tell Laura, would you rather I go to church and think about fishing? Or would you rather I go fishing and think about God? And I was serious about mm-hmm. it. And there were times where uh, Laura went with the kids by herself, right. and, and I would go fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I was at. The only prayer I learned was the Our Father. Mm-hmm. I went through CCD and everything, but I goofed off all the time. Sure. I just was not a good Catholic. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what ended up happening was uh, I had my own business in northern Wisconsin, and— um, one night, a lot of stresses, mm-hmm. and then one night went to sleep, and I don't know how to describe it. I call it a dream, but I actually thought I died. Oh, wow. Uh, I had an experience where um, I found myself standing on a hill, and it felt like I was really there, and I saw rocks in front of me. It was that twilight. It wasn't daytime, wasn't night. It was that in-between time, and I saw shadows kneeling and praying, like a chanting prayer. And I know now it was the rosary. I didn't know that. Sure, right. Because I didn't know the rosary. Right. But anyway, I'm standing there wondering. I worked out all the time, and I'm like, how did, I thought I died. And I'm like, what happened? Where am I at? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I started looking around, and I saw I was standing by a statue of Mary. And this euphoric feeling came on me, almost like an old radio where you have a volume button. Oh, sure, yeah. Where there was nothing, and all of a sudden, I see the statue starts turning up, and then it just kept becoming more and more euphoric as I looked up eventually to her face. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at her face, the statue came alive. And all, all it did was was smile, you know, look towards me and smile. And I flashed back to my bed, um, and I was shaking, and I was just freaked out. I right. did not know yes. what happened. <laughs> and I, I call it a dream, but it felt so real, mm-hmm. like I was there. And it scared me. Right. And I woke Laura up. And I was probably talking 100 miles an hour and explained to her what had happened. Right. And I kept saying, what does this mean? What does this mean? Because it really scared me. And she just, all, all she kept saying was, Mike, I don't know. You have to pray about it. Right. But where I was at at that time was, uh, I remember looking at her and very coldly saying, pray about it. What's that going to do for me? I was just thinking that, yeah, because we had talked about your story a little bit. And, and I know that you were really in a place necessarily where praying about it was going to be your first thought. <laughs> yeah. It, right. uh, so that was tough. And, and actually after that, um, we didn't talk about it again. 
Uh, but in my head, it scared me. So for a couple of weeks, it was just in my head. It mm-hmm. really scared me. Mm-hmm. And um, then I let it go and I had another one. And it, um, maybe I shouldn't be going through all of it. Well, and you know, so go ahead. I mean, the, go ahead and continue. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Do so a little short because sec- I don't want to give everything away right. from the beginning of the book. <laughs> yeah. And this is like chapter one, maybe. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no. And this, so eventually I had a second dream where I saw Jesus mm-hmm. and I saw what I was like. And um, when I popped back out of that one, it, I, I remember pacing around the room um, and woke Laura up, of course. And I'm, I'm like, I think I'm going crazy. I don't understand what's happening. And as time went, all of a sudden, you know, as I'm pacing around the bedroom talking about this, all of a sudden a word popped in my head and the word was Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what the word meant. Right. And I, I looked, I remember looking at Laura and just, Laura, what does the word Medjugorje mean? And she just looked at me and said, I, I don't know. I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I've never heard of it, but it just popped in my head. Right. It's got to be religious. You go to church all the time, find out what the word means. <laughs> and Come on, Laura. So, <laughs> so long story short, I, I eventually ended up going to this place right. reluctantly because mm-hmm. I didn't believe any of the things that people were telling me, but I went because I wanted to know about these dreams. Right. And I saw what I dreamt there. Right. And had a big conversion. Right. And so the first part of the book really is about this, your conversion story mm-hmm. and really how that kind of affected your whole family. Right. Yeah. Um, so why did you guys write the book? Because that's really, there's, there's much more to this than just that conversion story. Right. So why did you write it? Well, when Mike came back from that experience, he was a changed man. Mm-hmm. He was, he was completely different. And he wanted to be able to share his testimony with people. Right. And so so he did that. So whenever an opportunity arose, he would share what happened to him. And whenever he would share that, people would say, you need to write a book. <laughs> They'd be like, wow, right. you right. need to share that. Mm-hmm. And so that was that part. But then when we lost Eric, and like we share in the book, all the really incredible miracles that God gave us, to help us heal from that loss and let us know that our son is in heaven. That added to Mike's conversion story. I think the Holy Spirit just really spoke to my heart and said, you need to write this. And I, at the time I was very much journaling as a, as a healing tool for Mm -hmm. myself, just get it out, get it on paper. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just was writing all the time during that time. And so when it, when it was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to share this. And I started writing it out. I could refer back to the journal and actually get the exact right. date yes. when that thing happened yeah. because I wrote about it when right. it happened. And I could I could glean from that the emotion of the moment mm-hmm. because I wrote it down when it happened. Yep. Um, and so that started writing it out. But when when I started writing it, I was writing Mike's part from having heard him share his story. Right. And I was like, Mike, you need to go through this and you need to write your part right. because it needs to come from you. Yeah. And I think so that's th- a big part of the book yeah. is to hear the, the two sides of how you were both experiencing mm-hmm. it. I think was really important. Yeah. So um, there's an obvious turning point in the book when um, your son Eric commits suicide. But there's all of these things that happened prior to that, your conversion, all of those things, that had to help you deal with now this terrible tragedy in your family. Is that correct? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We, you know, when, when you're going through something, you don't think about those things, but when you look back on it, 
we could look back and see how God had put in place and just laid a solid foundation for our faith prior to our loss of Eric so that we would have um, the ability to hold on to him with, yes. with our might through that experience and just know that he was walking with us through that. Right. Cause this is a, a, when this type of thing happens, it can, it's extremely hard on families. And I'm sure it was probably hard on your family, even, even with that foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But had you not had that, it's hard to say where you would have been. And that's a very good way to put it. Mm-hmm. But uh, the experience is the faith. Our faith was very strong mm-hmm. or is very strong. and was at that time. Mm-hmm. And, I think that was the glue that that helped hold all of us together. Right. Um, our son Nathan, our daughter Catherine, and Laura and I. Yeah. And um, I, and too, from the moment of, from the moment of our loss of Eric, we were looking to God. Right. To guide us, to mm-hmm. give us the graces that we needed in that moment, because we knew we couldn't do it on our own. Right. It was too devastating. Yep. yep. So we were we were seeking Him. We were seeking. You know, just we were really open to whatever signs he would give us mm-hmm. and and asking for them. And um, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we could recognize those signs when they came for what they were. Right. And even with the kind of foundation you had as humans, it's really easy for us to say, OK, God, I'm really mad at you. So I'm not going to look for these signs and I'm going to, you know. So even with that foundation, you, we can still go off on a direction that's really bad for us. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys chose to stick with God and try to understand or at least let him help you. So can you tell us just a little bit, um, if you just joined us, we're talking to Mike and Laura Condra Tuck. I say it right again. Okay. (laughs) And their book, By God's Grace. Um, Can you tell us just a little bit about Eric? Mm -hmm. Would you mind a little bit about Eric and just a little bit about what happened? Maybe a couple minutes worth. Sure. Um, Well, Eric was our youngest and from very, very little, he was a very unique little person, mm-hmm. um, very imaginative. He was kind of, of our three kids, he was a combination of the two of us, where he had Mike's engineering oh. creative mind sure. that way, and he had my artistic bent, where he oh, was wow. he was musical, and mm-hmm. he was, um, There's we shared some of his poems in the book, and, mm-hmm. you know, just, he saw beauty in everything to the minutest detail. Wow. He would just, he'd be like, look at this. And he'd be so excited about it. Um, and he he was very funny. He just would, these little one-liners that he would shoot out that would just, <laughs> just so he had, make he us had a wit about him. He had a, very a much, so yeah. yeah. And a very soft heart, uh, very, um, like he was very much pro-life. Mm-hmm. And um, he he had a, was very strong of that, that even if people disagreed with him at school, um, he would still stand up for that. Right. And it didn't matter what happened. He would stand That's up. That's unusual that. for a kid his age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially a teenager or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. He was, yeah. Um, just so the listeners know, he was, he had just turned 14 years old, July 24th, and he passed away on September 13th. Mm-hmm. So he was just 14 right. Right. when he died. Yeah. There, there were, um, so we found out after his death that, that he was being uh, bullied some. Mm-hmm. Now, Eric was a very, Big, so I'm six three, and he was almost as tall as me wow. when he was fourteen. Wow! Um, and um, but, but when you had, stand, but when you stand out, you're an easy target for bullies. Yeah, and so. and I think his strong beliefs, you know, mm-hmm. and he wasn't mm-hmm. afraid to stand up for it. But we found out that he was um, not physically, but but socially, sure. mentally, yep. being bullied at school, um, which was hard too because 
uh, we had to forgive, right? Right. Um, the mm-hmm. others, and that was probably easier for some than others in our family. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. But but he was, um, you know, it would have been fun to see where he went. He he had just started guitar lessons. I think he'd only been doing it for about a year. Sure. But I remember waiting to pick him up, and people would come early to hear him because they felt like they were hearing uh, some great guitarist playing. They wow. they were just unbelievable. And he was writing his own songs and music at the time. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah, he was very fun. Um, you talked about a line in the book. Yes, yeah, yeah. Let's read that book, that line, really quick. Because this, okay, so this line really stood out to me in this section of the book. It's on page ninety-six. Um, it says, "The space that one person occupies in the hearts of those who love him is immense." And that really hit me at the moment I read. I actually highlighted it and turned the corner down. <laughs> so, so yeah. Can you talk about that a yeah. little bit? Yeah. Um, just Eric was a big personality and like he um he was either playing his music his electric guitar which was wah, 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 really really loud <laughs> or we'd be watching tv and he would constantly interrupt because he always had questions and things he wanted to share sure. and, and so he was always a big presence in he our and my home. mom would get along really good because she does that when she's watching tv yeah, <laughs> he was such a big presence in our home and so when i wrote that i was thinking about how when he was gone it was silent yeah in our house yeah and I thought about that space that he created for himself, mm-hmm. not only in our home physically, but in our hearts. Right. Like he had carved out this space for himself in our hearts that was never going to be filled right. by anybody else. Right, right. I think I that's very true. And, and really, at this point, the only one who can fill that empty space is God. And, and thankfully, you guys allowed that to happen and may, are still probably allowing that yeah. to happen because this is not a— quick process i know it's lifelong yeah um you know the probably the best way to describe it is if you um and i don't know what it's like to lose a limb but but um we're not the same people we were before right Right. and the only thing i can try to relate to laura's said this before is is like a person that loses a limb they they still go on and and life goes on and they can they they look basically are the same person Mm -hmm. right but they're never the same. Right. And that's You learn what how to, to survive without. Right. Right. Yeah. You've lost something and we're different people than we were before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That kind of thing can't happen without major changes to the people who experience it. So I'm sure your, your other two children have, have are different as well yeah. since yeah. then because they lost their sibling. So, yeah. Um, so now then the part, the next part, the part, the book is three parts, Right. I think I'm in the Basically. third part. Is it, or is it two parts? Whatever. It no. feels like it's three parts. Well, you know, it, the before, it's like our life the, is yeah. cut in two before yeah. we, our loss of Eric and then and after. after. Yeah. Um, so, and then after a little while after his death, you both, I believe started going back to Medjugorje. Yeah, and, actually, I yeah. think, I think I had gone three times before Eric's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Laura, actually, we had a trip set up for her to go right after right. Eric's death, and that was set up before mm-hmm. he passed away. And that was really healing for you it to was. go there, wasn't it? I, yeah. I just finished reading that part, and I felt like that was a really important thing for you to do. Yeah, it was. And like, so it was just six weeks after Eric's death mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to go to Medjugorje, and 
I, I said, I don't want to go. I don't feel right leaving the family. Mm -hmm. And Mike said, you need to go because whatever graces you're going to receive, they're not just for you. They're for all of us. And we need all the graces we can get right now. (laughs) So I went and there, and there were some really miraculous things that happened. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, and how important has your faith become since? (laughs) It's the center of our life. Yeah. Um, And it it was before Eric died, but it's, it's increased now. Is that right? Would you say that? Yeah, I would say, I, I think, um, I'm not sure. How we would say. I think just, um, before Eric's death, it was a part of who we were, but after Eric's death, it's like, we can't live without. Like it's the air you breathe. It, it is literally like we know. And you know, we've had experiences since then that have been, that have been tough as well. Um, I just had a, a bout with cancer in the last year. Right. That's right. And, and so when, when these, Things come, we know we can handle them because God is in it with us. And we're not walking this journey alone. He's walking every step of the way with us, and He will give us the graces that we need in the moment that we need them. And we just have to stay strongly attached to Him, holding on. For sure. It's where we turn whenever anything happens. And um, so Laura initially was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. And so, and it was growing. Quickly. Right. So things did not look good right. at all. Um, and I can tell you, I mean, there's no, no one to get mad at. It's life. Right. But, um, I mean, every waking moment I just prayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many rosaries I said, I don't know how many <laughs> right. chaplets and, um, but it's, it, it's still the center. It's everything we turn to and we don't start our day. Our, we get up early in the morning. Mm hmm. By quarter to five, we're praying our first rosary of the wow. day together. Wow. And we always start our day with that. Yeah. You guys are really inspirational. I'm glad you wrote the book because there are a lot of people who go through that particular thing, a suicide of a child, or similar things that really need some sort of, hey, this can be done, even though it's really, really hard. So I'm really glad you guys wrote the book. Um, we're just about out of time. So that went so fast. 20 minutes just goes so fast sometimes. So I want to make sure that people know how they can get your book. So Mike, will you tell them what's the easiest way to do this? Yeah. The easiest way is to Google and you need to use our last name. So I'm going to spell it (laughs) slowly here. So our last name is Kondratuk, K-O-N-D-R-A-T-U-K. And then follow that with, uh, by God's grace. Mm-hmm. So if you if you Google Kondratuk by God's grace, there's going to be several sites that will show up, catholicshop.com, uh, medjugorje.us, and medjugorje is M-E-D-J-U-G-O-R-J-E. Um, it's available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. There's a Kindle version available, and mm-hmm. you'll see all that when you Google took by God's grace. Right. If you can buy it on a place like Catholic Shop, I think that's a great place to do it. Um, if you've never been to that website, it's a good website. They have yeah. all kinds of cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, they so. do. Yeah. All right, good. Uh, thank you guys so much for thank coming you. in. And I wish we had more time. But you know what? I don't want to give away everything in the book. So there's a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of very inspirational stuff. A lot of miracles have happened to you guys. So yeah. I hope that people will pick it up. And, and take a look at it. Mm. It could be really, really helpful for a lot of people. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Thank you. All right. If you haven't found us already on social media, you can find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at YouTube at SF Diocese. You can also find us anytime at sfcatholic.org. Uh, that is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic news.